and welcome back to another episode of Creating Change. My name is Jillian Walsh. I'm the founder and clinical director here at Change Creates Change Eating Disorder Care. And we're a private practice center that specializes in the eating disorder care of children, youth, their families, and folks actually right across the lifespan. So today's episode, we're going to talk about atypical anorexia. But before we get into that, let me give you a disclaimer. The reason we're talking about this today is because it is a popular question that we get. However, here at Change Creates Change, we don't necessarily agree with the distinguishing factors between atypical anorexia and you know, the traditional anorexia nervosa. So please take this with a grain of salt. We are here to provide some education, recognize that this is not necessarily in line with our views as a weight inclusive practice. But we'll talk about that in a future video. So atypical anorexia is a diagnosis based on the DSM-5. So the DSM-5 is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Psychiatric Disorders, 5 for the 5th edition. And that is put out by the American Psychiatric Association. So we'll actually link to this in the description so that you folks can see what we're referencing. Now, the last version, the most up-to-date version, version 5, was actually written in 2013. Today, we're in 2021, so in my opinion, it's quite outdated. But nonetheless, that is what we are working with right now for diagnostic criteria. All right, there's my little disclaimer. So when it comes to atypical anorexia as a diagnosis, about one third of inpatients in eating disorder programs are diagnosed with atypical anorexia. Now, what makes anorexia atypical in this case is only one factor, and that factor is the absence of an underweight status. Now, as you can imagine, as a weight-inclusive clinician, I struggle with the only difference between anorexia nervosa and atypical anorexia being a difference in weight. I don't love that, but regardless, that is how it's written in the DSM-5. So if you folks are familiar with anorexia, but haven't heard of atypical anorexia before, everything else applies. The diagnosis of anorexia or the diagnostic criteria of anorexia absolutely applies to atypical anorexia as well. What that means is there still is that undercurrent of a preoccupation with weight, shape, and appearance. There is still the restriction of food intake to a point where inadequate energy is being consumed. However, what makes it atypical is this piece of there is no underweight status. Now again, this is based on BMI criteria, which we don't love. It is weight-centric, which we don't love. But regardless, this is what the Diagnostic Statistical Manual is based on. And to be honest, a lot of healthcare is still rooted on these diagnoses. So if you're wondering, is this atypical anorexia? Think about the red flags of anorexia nervosa. They're gonna be the same. We're going to see the lack of concentration. We're going to see the social isolation. We're going to see a lack of weight gain in children and youth or weight loss in adults. Oftentimes, some other red flags that we hear is feeling cold all the time or GI complaints, digestive complaints, right? It might be nausea. It could be abdominal bloating. It could be reflux. All of these things can be red flags of anorexia, and of course, they can be red flags of atypical anorexia as well. So just to recap, what makes atypical anorexia atypical 
is simply the lack of an underweight status. And in our opinion here at Change Creates Change, that's quite weight centric, it can do harm, and we actually strongly avoid or strongly encourage folks to avoid the differential diagnosis of atypical anorexia versus anorexia. Let's just stick with anorexia. One is not more severe than the other. One is not more valid than the other. One is not more dangerous than the other. So we are strong advocates of, in the DSM-6, let's take out some of that weight criteria. There may not be a role, especially right now in 2021. We're trying to move away from weight centricity. We're trying to find a more weight neutral approach. And I think that can begin with actually dissolving the diagnosis of atypical anorexia. Let's just call it all as it is, anorexia nervosa. All right, folks, I hope that helps answer some questions around what is atypical anorexia? What makes it different from traditional anorexia? If you have any more questions, feel free to reach out. We're constantly checking comments here, so you can drop a comment below, you can shoot us an email, or you can book a free consultation call if you're a Canadian resident. Be on the lookout for the next posts, so you'll see videos come up usually every week, and then our blog posts tend to also be updated on a weekly basis as well. So there's always going to be new information to consume over here. If you liked what you heard, please share the word with your friends, your colleagues, with other folks in your circle so that we can increase awareness around eating disorders. This really helps decrease eating disorder incidence and also increase access to eating disorder care across Canada. Thank you so much for being here and I hope to see you next week. Bye for now.